Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Today we're wrapping up our series called Building a Christ-Centered Home. And we've been talking on this uh, for the last couple weeks and what it means to build a Christ-centered home. And it's kind of given us this, this idea that we're not just Christians in a family. We are a Christ-centered home. There's a difference between the two. So many Christians go through their lives just trying to be a good person, trying to, you know, attend church from time to time, trying to say some prayers or try to involve God in parts of their life. But God doesn't want to just be involved in a part of your life. He doesn't want to just be secluded to Sundays. He doesn't want to just, he wants to be every part of your life. See, God wants to be the very centerpiece, the very foundation. He wants to be involved in everything, the place you run to. He is the source and he wants to be the center of our lives. And it's the difference between having something be the center of our lives versus just something that's a part of our lives. So we've been talking about how do we do this? How do we build a Christ-centered home? Because it is possible. I don't know if you had that revelation yet, but it is possible for you to have a Christ-centered home. Come on, somebody. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, it's possible. It is possible. You can have a Christ-centered home, but it's not going to happen by accident. It's, uh, Prime isn't going to deliver it to you. We've got to do some things in our lives to align our lives in such a way to say everything else can exist, but God, you are the center. God, you are the foundation, and this is the one thing that's not negotiable that's not going to change, not going to move. God, you are the center of our home. And so we're, we've been talking through this series about some very strategic and specific things that we can put in place in our lives to center our homes, our marriages, our families around Christ and his word. And if you've missed any of the weeks, I encourage you, get on the podcast. There's a link on our website, victoryorlando.com. Um, or if you prefer video, you can get on our YouTube channel, subscribe that way. But today the word of the Lord is framing your world. Tell your neighbor, say, frame your world. Framing your world. You know, before uh, something takes shape and really begins to look like what it was created to be, before it really begins to look beautiful and nice and on the outside and have all the features and the things that people look for, what is needed is a framework. In fact, before things are even built or constructed, a framework is put together to support everything else. A framework supports the structure. It allows strength to take place in something. Without the frame, nothing would be able to stand. Things wouldn't be able to have the features or the add-ons or the things that allow something to have the characteristics that define it. It's the framework that allows those things to take place. A framework is so important. And, um, you know, uh, the most obvious thing in, in building a framework is when a house is built. Anybody driven by a neighborhood and seen a house being built before? Um, you got the, you know, cinder blocks a lot of times and then the wood framing go up. But what's interesting about building a house, before you can put up the drywall, you have to have a frame. Because uh, if you just put up drywall and no frame, 
It's going to be a short-lived house. Those drywall is going to fall over. You know, before you can run the wiring or the plumbing, you got to have the framing. Before you can run the networking cables and, and all those things and get the fixtures installed, before you can put the sink in the kitchen, you've got to have some framing or else it won't be able to withstand. The frame of the house supports the weight of the structure. It allows then the beauty of the house to come together, the design of the house to come together where all the fixtures go in place and the flooring goes in and all those things that make a house a home uh, like all of that is supported by the framework the framework then allows that structure to withstand some weather some things that come at it when we have a windy floor today how many of y'all know a strong frame is important so that your house stands it allows the roof to stay in place because otherwise that roof would just fall on top of us, right? The framework allows stability and strength to be in place, but it also allows the beauty to show through. The framework allows a house to shine for it to look like what it's meant to look like because if you took the frame away, it would just all fall and be a pile of rubble and it wouldn't look like a beautiful house. The framework that is built is so important to the longevity of the structure because if you build a framework, if you have a framework around your house and it's built out of cheap wood that's not very good and not the right thickness and not the right kind of all, all that kind of stuff, then that house is not going to last from generation to generation. It's going to have problems and start to crumble and start to fall apart and going to have to have patchwork and put together. Like the framework is so important to determine the longevity, the strength, and the beauty of something and it's the same thing in our lives our our families are have a framework put around them our marriages have a framework around them that determine the strength of our marriages when storm comes are we going to be able to withstand there's a framework that's being built around our children around our homes around our marriages and around our lives so the question is what kind of framework are we building what kind of framework are we building around our kids? What kind of framework are we building in our dating relationships, in our marriages, in our homes? What kind of frame are we building? Because there's all different kinds of frameworks out there. Just drive through the neighborhood on your way home today, and you'll see there's lots of different kinds of frameworks and designs and, you know, multi-level frames and single levels and, you know, all different kinds of colors and shapes and designs. And, you know, some of them have, you know, pools in the back that have extra frames or, you know, the, the lanai frames around it and all this kind of stuff. There's all different, any number kind of frameworks out there that make up these different frames. But I would dare say, with even with all the different types of frameworks, that there's not a home builder out there that would say, you know, I'm just going to try to build a nice home. Maybe we'll be, let's, let's go with a two-story home, five bedrooms, and two and a half baths, and I hope it turns out good. I don't know what it looks like yet, you know, but I hope it turns out good. In fact, I'm going to work really hard and try to be a good builder. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna get my tools and I'm going to carry them around with me. I'm going to go hang out in Home Depot for a little while and buy some supplies. And I'm going to give it my best shot and hope I'm sure it'll turn out great. Uh, if you ever meet that builder, please don't buy their home. <laughs> that would be a disastrous situation um, in, in your life, you know, because that home will not stand. Um, but as funny and as obvious as that sounds, um, so many people build their lives that way. 
They go through their lives like, oh, I hope we have a good home. I hope we have a Christ-centered home. and We're going to try to do some good things. We're going to try to be good people. You know, We'll go to church and hang out there for a little while if we don't have something else on the schedule. And, you know, I'll, I'll carry my Bible around so the people know that I, that I love Jesus. And, and I'll, I'll try to do some good things. We'll pray over our meals and you know, we'll say some cute little bedtime prayers and nothing, nothing too crazy because we don't want to you know, get radical. And, uh, you know, but I, I hope it turns out I hope my kids love God and want to be in church and studies just show that that doesn't work in our city alone 44 percent of people are considered what uh, what's called post-church that church and God isn't important I don't need to believe in that and we have a generation that's being raised up this way oh I I hope my kids love God Uh, I just really don't want to confront it and deal with the issues because it kind of gets uncomfortable and and then I I hope you guys do the right thing please and now we have a generation that's risen up and thinks that God is, is is optional and I don't need him to get through life we're building a framework what kind of framework are we building see the framework that we build is determined by the words that we say The words that we say to our families, about our families, and over our families, our marriages, our kids, is building a framework around their lives that will be with them and determine the course of their life. It will determine, are they able to stand storms of life? It will determine, do they have strength and structure in their life? Do they know how to come to God? It will determine, do they know how to love when no one else can love? Do they know how to forgive? Do they know how to serve? Do they know how to give? The words that we speak are building a framework around their lives. Maybe you're wondering, Pastor, that sounds really good, but what does that mean for me? How do I do this? How do I frame my family, my kids, and my marriage? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. I want to talk about this today because our words are powerful. Our words carry weight to it. And so we protect and build a frame around our families through speaking the word of God about them, to them, and over them. And listen, no one and no thing can do it for you. But other things will try to. And too often, as Christians, as leaders, as parents, as spiritual parents, we've backed off our place of authority and allowed other factors to come in and build a framework around our families and our children. And then we wonder why things are going on. We have to be the ones to step up and build the framework. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. I hope you bring your Bible with you to church. Um, If you don't, um, next week's a good week to begin. You can get the YouVersion Bible app on your phone for free. But it says this, Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. So there's a, a powerful force in our tongue. And it's not just like your natural tongue, like just being in your mouth. It's, it's how your tongue is used. The words that come out of your mouth have a creative force behind them. And notice that there's two options. There's not like, it's not like going to Golden Corral where there's a, a plethora of items to choose from. There's two options in this creative force that comes from the words of our mouth. It's life or death. It's life or death. That power is in the words that we say. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Those who love it will eat its fruit. That, you know, he's not talking about eating, you know, our beautiful Florida citrus, you know. Some, he's, it's not what he's talking about. He's talking about there's power in our tongue. In our words that we say, there's life and death. And if we love it, if we love to speak words 
that are gracious, if we love to speak words that are full of mercy and forgiveness, if we love to speak words that are, are, are uplifting and build faith, if we love to speak good and words that are full of life, if we love to speak that way, then you will love to eat the fruit or the results of those words back in your life. But if you just think this is nonsense and you're like, I can say whatever I want to say, you know, and I'm just going to speak my opinion, I'm going to speak my feelings, I'm going to say what I want to say, then you don't love it and you're not going to love eating the results of that in your life. You're not going to love the results of the death that you're speaking in your life. But if you love to speak life, then you will love the fruit. You will love the results that come back in your life on those things, right? If you love it, you will eat the fruit of it. And we will eat the fruit of our words. Scripture says you will be snared by the words of your mouth. You'll be tripped by your lip, hung by your tongue. Come on, somebody. I can rhyme in the house. And it's not even the mouse's house. Come on. <laughs> Listen, we're speaking life. And we got to understand, there's a distinction between we're not talking about semantics or speaking. I'm just going to try to speak some positive things. That's not what we're talking about. If that's what you hear when you hear that scripture, then you've missed it. Then you don't love it. Right? We're talking about speaking the word of God. So we're not trying to manipulate God by saying some fancy things so that he does what we want. That's not it. We're talking about getting ourselves in alignment with him, with what he's already said. So when we speak life, we're talking about getting ourselves in agreement with the one who is life, what he's already said. So it, it's like... I've got to get my words in alignment with his, what he's already said, so that I can experience the life that he's already said. He said, I put life and death in. It's your choice. What are you going to do with it? And we are going to do that by how we speak. It comes out of our mouths. It's the same way with how we live. If we'll just get ourselves in alignment with what God has already said in his word about how to live, about how to love, about how to serve, how to forgive, about how to, uh, uh, how to love others, then we'll begin to, our lives will begin to produce what it says that it will produce. Same way, when we begin to speak what's in the book, what God has already said, his words that are alive and powerful, then it will produce what he said it will produce. But on the other hand, if we want to speak death, we want to speak our own, our own truth, we want to speak our own mind and have our own way, then it will still produce just like he said, but it will produce death instead. So I don't know about y'all, but I just in my life, I don't want death to be produced. I want life to be produced. So I've got to then get my mouth in alignment with what he said so that it can produce the life that he said I can produce. So it's much more, it's not just semantics or we're not trying to be conniving or anything like I'm making adjustments in my life to get in alignment with God's words. So we're speaking life, right? The words that we speak are releasing life or death. It's like we're literally being in agreement with life or we're being in agreement with death by the words that we speak. So, I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's a no-brainer. All of us want to be in agreement with life, right? We release that agreement by the words that we say. We can have good intentions. Oh, I want to be in agreement with life. I want God's best in my life. And then we're cussing somebody out. Then we're over here. I just don't know how I'm going to make it to the end of the month. I just don't have enough. And I just, I can never seem to get ahead. What are we doing? We're releasing our agreement with death. Because our agreement is released through the words of our mouth. So today is a good day to begin to get a hold of the words coming out of our mouths. What about in our relationships? 
Where, what have we been in agreement with? What about in our marriages? What have we been in agreement with? What about with our kids? What have we been in agreement with? Life or death? What agreement have we been releasing out of our mouth? Um, I remember um, when Bella was first born, she was a cute baby. I, I'm a dad, and I got the mic so I can say it. She was the cutest baby there ever was. And um, she was, and she's cute now. She's 14 now. Praise him. Y'all pray for me. High school next year in, in September. Um, but when she was a baby, you know, y'all know when you've got a baby. Heather was so good, too. She always had bows on her or bonnets, and she just made her look cute, you know. And when you're out with a baby in the store and somebody comes up to her, isn't it funny how people, like, go from being an adult to being like, Hey, little baby, how are you doing? And they want to touch your baby. And they want, can I hold your baby? Like, I don't know you. And yes, back off. Um, but I remember being in Walmart one time, and this lady comes up, and she was baby talking to Bella. And Bella, you know, when babies laugh and, you know, whatever they do. And she said, oh, you're so silly. And that just kind of was like, hit me weird. And I remember the Holy Spirit said to me, said, look up what that word means. I said, okay. Now, this was back before iPhones, and, you know, you couldn't Google from Walmart right there in your palm. You know, there were these things, these books called dictionaries, and you had to go home. Somebody's like, dictionary? What is that? You mean dictionary.com? No, it was printed like the yellow pages. Yellow pages? Get on Google and find out what those things are. So I got home from the store, and I had to go to the bookshelf. got the book off, and I looked it up, what the word meant. Do you know what the word silly means? It means foolish and without understanding. Words have meaning. Words have meaning. So our intentions don't define what words mean. Our words carry weight. Our words carry meaning. So when we speak a word, it's not our intention that goes forth. It's what the word means that is released. Right? So here, in this case with Bella, and this lady's calling her silly, she's saying you're foolish and without understanding. Now, what kind of father would I be if I allow some random person or some person that I know to then say, uh, uh, speak this over my daughter? Well, that would not make me a very good parent if I allowed just people, random people to walk up to her and say, well, you're foolish. No. Me and Heather, we just made a decision in that moment. We are never going to say that about our daughter, and we're not going to allow anyone to say that about her, no matter who they are. And can I just tell you, that decision created a lot of awkward moments. It did. And a lot of correcting people. She is not silly. She has the mind of Christ. She's wise. She has a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of understanding. I, that's the degree we went to because I just refused to allow someone else to build a framework around her life. God didn't give them to give her to them. He gave her to me to raise up, to train in the way that she should go. And so I've got to step into a place and not allow anyone else to build the framework over her life. So there's a lot of people in Walmart who probably don't like me because of, like, she's not silly. We had to do it in our family and in our church and at our work. Like, we just decided we're not going to allow this to be spoken over her. We're going to decide what's being spoken over. It's what God has given us. It's my responsibility to build the framework over here. So it's not semantics. It's not legalism. It's just a choice. It's a decision. What do you want? It's just a question. What do you want? Do you want life or do you want death? 
and we're just gonna we're just gonna decide that by the words that we speak. I've just decided in my house we want life. We're choosing life, right? What we need to realize, especially when it comes to our kids, you are not raising kids. You are raising adults. They're already kids. You are raising adults. So how, what do you want them to be? How, what do you want them to know? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Start children off the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. You're building a framework around your kids so that as they grow old and as they get to be older and older and older, that framework will be with them all of their life. Another translation says it this way. Train up a child the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. The words we speak about our kids, to our kids, and over our kids is building a framework around our life. So if we are constantly telling them, you can't do this, you're not able to do this, even if we're trying to cover up another reason. So sometimes we just don't want to do anything about it, and we're telling them they can't, so that they, then they won't want to, so that we don't have to do anything. It doesn't matter the reason. It's the framework that we're building around them. You can't. You'll never. You'll never amount to this. You're not as good as them. You struggle in school. You know, all this kind of stuff. It's a framework that's being built around their lives. So don't be surprised if that's what you say about your kids, that then they have troubles in schools and they feel awkward and they can't get in places. But if you are daring and bold enough to, to push all that aside and say, you know what? You are able. You are well able to take the land. You have the mind of Christ. You can excel in it. You have the favor of God on your life and you have favor with God and with all men and with your teachers and everyone else like guess what then don't be surprised when they start walking in the power of the spirit and then they start excelling and they start going over and above but it's just all depends on what you want it's up to you the choice is yours no one can decide it but you we're going to declare life with the words of our mouth and some of us just need to wake up to this truth today the reality is every day we are speaking life or speaking death you cannot avoid it you cannot pretend it does not exist the principles exist and work in our world whether you want to acknowledge it or not we're speaking life or we're speaking death and if you love it you'll eat the fruit of it yeah it's just time for us to wake up to the power of this day that we have the power of life and death in our tongues. So what about in our marriages? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking death? What about, see, and this goes, oh, y'all, this goes way beyond just our biological families and children. We need to be speaking life and building this framework around our biological family and our children. And the, but what about our spiritual family and our spiritual children? we got to be speaking life. And I'm just so tired of people coming into church, complaining about this, complaining about that. Listen, if you ever find the perfect church, you better leave there because you messed it up when you got there. <laughs> See, and the problem is when we're complaining about a church or a, a person or a relationship, we think that by complaining about it that we're hurting them. But we're not. We're speaking death in over our own lives. We think that, yeah, well, I'm going to show them, and they just don't. It. But it's, it's affecting us and not really affecting them. It's not bringing change. It's not helping anybody. And there's a difference between identifying a problem and let's solve it and just complaining and gossiping about everything. See, speaking life is not like, it's not the denial of issues going on. Speaking life is like, we're going to address the issue, but I'm not going to address it from my own ability, my own strength. I'm going to address it through the authority that God has given me through his word. And I'm going to speak life to something that needs to change. Okay, I'm going to get back to my message now. Come on. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to Christians, to believers. These aren't, he's not saying this to people who don't know Christ, right? Because we shouldn't expect people who don't know Jesus to get it all right. We have Jesus and we need help. Come on, somebody. He's writing this to the church. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk. Another translation says ugly, hateful words. Don't let any of that come out of your mouth. Everybody, let me see. Put your hand over your mouth today. There you go. Not over, your, not over their mouth. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Don't let any un- unwholesome, ugly, hateful talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to how I feel at the moment. According to how angry I am. According to how hurt I am. According to how they treated me. According to how long of a day it was at work and I'm ready to just be done already. Y'all going to let? Come on now. That's not what it says. Don't let anything come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who hear. So it's a heart check. It's a motivation check. Do I just want to spout off or do I want to build others up? So he's telling us here that there's a God has a different way for us than just spouting off however we feel in a moment. Whatever pops into our head doesn't have to come out of your mouth. He's saying, don't let anything come out of your mouth unless it's building others up. Don't tell somebody off just because you think you can. And it's, you notice that it's, it's, it's not restricted to people on our level. Don't tell people off on our level. But if they're under you, then you can. T- don't let any unwholesome talk. The checkup for us today, a checkup from the neck up. Come on, somebody. We're gonna, we got to speak life. So this is so good for us. We got to speak life to things. We can declare life. You know what's the song? Speak life, speak life. Come on, don't be sing alone. To the deadest, darkest nights. Speak life, speak life. Y'all sound good. You know it. We know it. It's in there. Come on, Toby Mac, somebody. Somebody's going to be on YouTube on the way home. Like, speak life, speak life. That's what I'm talking about. Crank it up. Let people hear. We know it. It's in us. But then we get in moments. We get in conversations. We get upset. We get hurt. Things start going on. We start dropping some words. We start going on. We start looking and evaluating everything going on around us. The pain, the situations, the lack, you know, the deficiencies. And then we start saying things. And we're like, things starts getting crazy. But I just dare you. I just dare you to look at whatever the situation is for you, the deficiency, the lack, you know, the the struggles in relationships, the kids, whatever else. And instead of saying how bad things are and how dark things are, I dare you to start declaring the word of God. I... You know what? I I double dog dare you to look that thing square in the eye and just declare what God's word says. He's like, it it might look like the kids are going off on their own direction, but you know what? You know what the truth is? The truth is my children are mighty upon this earth, that me and my whole house will serve the Lord all the days of their life. Come on, I'm preaching about 87% better than y'all are amen in this morning. I dare you to look at your bank account and say, God's will is that I would prosper and be in health. Come on, somebody. Too long, too long we've agreed with death. 
just because it's a popular phrase to say too long. We've given in and relinquished our spiritual authority over something just to go with the flow, just to fit in, just to not have to think about it. We've lowered the standard and we've allowed things in and God is waking us up in a moment, in a season to say, hey, begin to release the authority I've given you. Begin to speak to things that look like they're dead. So maybe you've got a relationship. Maybe your marriage is hanging on by threads. Begin to speak life into that thing. Begin to look those things square in the eye and say, devil, you might have thought you won, but I got news for you that Jesus has already won. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he's given us the authority. He's given us the ability. What are we doing with it? It's time to pick it up, get yourself up, and get moving forward. Come on, somebody. I got my inner TD Jakes with me today. Get ready, get ready, get ready. So I want to give us a couple strategic things that we can begin to do each day um, just to, to get this. And how can we, how, if it's so important that we speak life, man, with so much going on in life, how can we do this? I want to give us a couple strategic things that if we'll begin to put these into practice in our, in our life that it will help us to speak life so that as we're building this framework, that this framework will last from generation to generation. So I'm not just looking at speaking life just because, oh, pastor said. No, I'm looking at it through a generational eye. You understand God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not just the God of just, just me right now. No, he's a generational God. So he wants us to see things in a generational way. That as I'm building a framework, it's going to last from generation to generation in my family. Even if things have been messed up in the past, from this day forward, I'm going to build something that will last and stand the test of time for generations to come so some some practical things for us that we can put in our lives if you're taking notes i hope you write these things down first one is this is define what you really want if you want to speak life define what you really want here's what i mean by that sometimes people go about things they want to have good kids but they don't know what that means oh, i just i hope they just are good no we need to be specific same thing when people enter dating They're like oh i want to find a godly person no be specific what are you looking for in a spouse? What are you looking for? Be specific. I know I had a list, um, you know, brown eyes and blonde hair. Come on. Got that brown eyed girl. Come on. Woo! Heather had a list, too. Um, one of those things on her list was she, and I mean details, guys. Be specific. What, you, what do you want? What's the picture that you see? You know what I'm saying? She had, she had a list. One of the things on her list was uh, somebody, uh, a guy who plays a red guitar. Y'all know what color my guitar is, don't you? Come on, it's red, baby! Yeah, God doesn't do things on accident. He's a God of order. He's able to work all things together for your good. But if you're just shooting in the dark, hoping you hit something, then you're probably going to get something. At first, first somebody that walks by you that looks at you the right way like, hey, how you doing, babe? No, no, no. Be specific. Because when we start with the end in mind and you know what you're looking for in a spouse, then when an imposter comes by, it's real easy to spot. Be like, I am wasting my time on you, sucker, because I know where I'm going. Like, we got to be specific. Same thing with your kids. When they're, when, like, what do you want them to be? What do you want them to know? How do you want them to be when you grow up? Because so often they, we just are trying to get through a certain situation with our kids, not realizing the generational effect that this moment has beyond them and their kids and their kids because of how we've taught them in a moment. 
How do we want our kids to be? What do we want the lineage of our family to look like so that then I can make a decision? Because if I want to break divorce, if I want to break a spirit of lust in the lineage of my family, then it makes no sense for me to make decisions to then get myself secluded behind a screen somewhere or to be around a person who has a a spirit of lust on them because I don't want to be drawn in to something because I want to set a course for my family and for my kids and for my grandkids to know what it means to live a godly life and to have a marriage that goes 50, 60, 70 years. So it just, with the end in mind, it helps me to make every other decision along the way. It just makes things so clear. We've got to define what we want. Here's the next one. If we're going to speak life, we need to exercise self-control. Exercise self-control. That just means our words carry weight and meaning. They carry meaning. You know, words stick with people a long time. I mean, many of us can think of things that were said about us from years and years ago because words have weight. And now we're doing the same thing to other people. We're flippantly saying this, saying that. When we're upset, we're telling them that and all that kind of stuff. And what we don't realize is, man, those words are weighty on people. Sometimes it's just in the passing and just the lack of love, the lack of kindness. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. When the it's got to operate in our lives. So exercise and self-control, like don't say everything that pops into your head. We're going to get real. The rubber's going to meet the road in church this morning. Don't, <laughs> everything that pops into your head does not need to come out of your mouth. That means think before you speak. Exercise self-control, right? We're thinking before we're speaking, right? Same thing. If you're angry, don't speak right away. Settle yourself down. Get control of yourself before you speak. Don't speak in anger. Allow, your, allow control to be in your voice and in the words that we say. You can correct and you can teach in kindness and in love without tearing down and, and building up. Because that's what correction and discipline is really meant to do, is meant to, is meant to build up and strengthen. Here's the next one. We're going to speak life. We need to declare what God has already said. We need to declare what God has, going, what has already said. You know, you have spiritual authority, right? Did you know that? You have spiritual authority? You have authority that God has given you, but it's not just authority in of yourself that you can just do whatever you want. Spiritual authority is backed by the one who gave it. So our spiritual authority is backed by our Heavenly Father. So when we want to release spiritual authority and we just want to go out and do our own thing and say things, uh, you know, like, like we're releasing our authority, but it's backed by us. But when we begin, we want to release authority that has power behind it. Man, when we begin to speak out what God has already said, it's then backed by him because it's what he said. It's in agreement with his word. And when we speak that, it's not anything of us. It's his authority that's released through us. So if we want to walk in more spiritual authority and release that authority, it it starts by the words that we speak and how we're releasing that. And when we release his words, it has his authority behind it. Come on, somebody, right? It's his authority that, so, man, when we go around and all we can declare is the bad and all the things messing up, man, that's what we're going to see. But when we begin to declare what God has already said, his word, that we are more than a conqueror, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, then we'll begin to see those things working in our life. Declaring is like is speaking forward with, with power, with boldness. When I declare something, I am making it so. See, this, it all comes down to faith, the spirit of faith. The speaking life, declaring what God has said. It's the spirit of faith that's inside of us. 
It's, it comes down to faith, declaring what God has said. So we're talking about strategic things that we can use in our day-to-day life to speak life. Define what you really want. Exercise self-control. Declare what God has already said. Here's the last one. Speak to the future, not to the present. See, there's more at work than just a single moment. There's more at work than just a single moment. And, and, and we, we can go through our lives and we can believe anything we want. We can believe the doubt. We can believe the fears that come at us. We can believe the discouragement. We can believe the depression. We can believe that. Maybe, maybe we had some good days in the past, but those days are long gone and I'll never have those again. We can believe that God has left me. God doesn't care about me. God isn't for me. We can believe anything we want to believe, but we can also believe that I might have had some things in my past. Maybe I had some good days. Maybe I had some hard times in my past. Maybe I'm going through some hard times right now. But we can believe that our best days are right in front of us, that God hasn't left us, that God is for you, not against you, that God has good plans to prosper you, to give you a future, to give you a hope. You can believe that Jesus is your healer, that you don't have to suffer with sickness and disease, that you don't have to suffer with despair and depression and fear. Like you can, we can believe what we want to believe. But many, many people live this way, like that God is against me. God, you know, and they believe all that kind of negative stuff that, that God isn't for them. And what happens too often, even, even in the churches, that we live so short-sighted. We live short-sighted, meaning that we live for the moment. And if I'm experiencing pain in the moment, then that's all that there is. And I'm just stuck in this pain. And what happens is when we live short-sighted in that moment of discouragement, of lack, of despair, of pain, or whatever it is, we begin then to speak out those things and we, we define what our future will be by our current pain. So we experience lack. Well, I guess they're just, we're just always going to struggle with this debt. Just always going to have to pay this minimum payment. I'm, ne- I'm never going to get ahead. I'm never going to be able to be the one to be able to give more or do this or do that. I'm just always going to be stuck here. I'm just always going to be stuck with this depression. I don't know how I could ever break free from it. The doctor tells me that I'm just going to have to medicate all the time and take care of this, and I'll just never be free of it. I'll just always have this addiction, and it's just, it's just who I am. And in a moment of a pain, of a struggle, we define what our future will be based on the current situation. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, there's a story. The children of Israel, they were fighting the Philistines. And um, Eli was the the priest at the time. This was before the kings. Um, Eli was the one that raised up Samuel, who would go and anoint Saul as the first king and then anoint David Eli is the priest. He's leading the nation. He would hear from God, and he would deliver the message to the people. And he's in this story. He's uh, old, and, and it's almost his time to go to be with the Lord. And he has two sons that work with him in the temple there. And, but it says they were corrupt, and they were evil. But they were the ones leading the army out to fight the Philistines, and they were struggling. They weren't winning. And so they had this great idea. They said, we're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant from the, the temple and bring it out to the battle with us so that we can win the battle. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is the same one that Moses and Aaron uh, built in the, in, the, in the wilderness. And the Ark of the Covenant for the people, it represented the presence of God. It represented that God was for them, that God was with them, that God was there because they would, the Ark of the Covenant was there in the, in the Holy of Holies and they would come and that's where the sacrifice would be offered. That's where they would come to meet with God in this place. And so the Ark represented the presence and the power of God. So they came and they took this, they took it out with them to the battle. They go out to this battle, and the Philistines wipe them out. It says that they killed 30,000 
men of the uh, armies of Israel that day. And uh, among those that were killed were Eli's two sons. They were killed. And it says the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant. They stole it. They took it. So the messenger left the battle. He goes back. He's running back to the city. He gets back there, and he finds Eli, who's sitting there on a stool. He tells him the bad news. The army's been destroyed. Your sons have been killed, and the ark has been stolen. When Eli hears this, it says that he falls back off of his stool, breaks his neck, and dies. Just so happened that Eli's daughter-in-law was there. She hears the news. She hears the news about her husband being dead the army destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant being gone, and now she sees her father-in-law has died. What Scripture has given us is the picture of a terrible day. Death and destruction all around. They've lost everything. They've lost the one, the most valuable thing that represents the presence of God. And here in verse 20, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 20, Eli's daughter-in-law, she's pregnant, and when she hears this news, says that she was so grieved, she was so upset that she went into labor, and her labor was so intense that it was actually killing her. She was dying. Verse 20, as she was dying, the woman intending her said, don't despair, you've given birth to a son. Man, that's amazing news. When, when a baby is born, we're celebrating. That's a moment to rejoice and be glad. And here, they're, they're experiencing loss and devastation. But in the middle of all that, she's given birth to the future, the future generations. And here's a moment to celebrate in the midst of all this pain. But what did this woman do? But she did not respond. She did not pay any attention to it. So crazy in that moment of rejoicing and celebration that should have been. She didn't do that. She didn't do anything. And for many of us, that's where we are. That's us. We're in the middle of pain. We're in the middle of the darkest dark. We're in the middle of lack and despair. And we're like, I'm out. We out. I'm done. I don't want to deal with any of this. This isn't fair. This isn't what I signed up for. God, you were supposed to make everything better. And so we check out. We're like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not serving. I'm not loving. Just whatever. And here she is in this moment. And it says that she named the boy Ichabod. Ichabod means no glory. For she said, the glory has departed from Israel because the capture of the ark of, the, of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. It's never going to be good again. I guess this is my lot in life. I'm just going to have to suck it up and deal with this. Guess my kids are just gonna run off and do their thing. I guess just gonna have to deal with this sickness. Guess I'm just gonna always have to struggle to get by. It's never gonna be good again. The good old days are gone, they're behind me. This is the end for me. What did she do? She named her future by her current pain. Listen, never name your future by your current pain because it's, it's so short sighted. What do we do instead? We've gotta speak the word of God to our future. We've got to declare what God has already said about our future and not let our current pain override and overwhelm everything that we're facing because it will try. So what do we do? We've got to rise up in that moment and not just sit back and casually be like, whatever, woe is me. 
No, we've got to rise up and realize there's more at stake than just what's happening to us around us in a moment. That we can begin to rise up and with the words of our mouth, we have a creative force that creates life, that changes generations. It might not change everything in a moment, but we're changing the course of history of our family for generations to come. By speaking the words of our mouth, we can speak to the future and decide and declare and decree what our futures will be if we have, if we're bold enough, if we'll allow faith to rise up inside of us in a, in a dark moment, in a painful moment, in a moment of lack, we can change the course of things. So where have we been naming our future by our present? Just ask yourself that question. Where have I named my kids by their present? So many times, like, as kids get older, you know, people say all kinds of bad stuff about our kids. Don't believe them. Don't say, don't believe terrible twos. Don't believe teenage years are horrible. Listen, those are the best years of our lives. Every day gets better than the last. But what about our kids? Where have we called our kids now because of a struggle that we said, well, they're just strung out on drugs. They just can't get it right. They're always in problems at school. They're not smart enough. They're not good enough. What about our marriage? Where have we called our marriage, uh, the future of our family by our current problems? Well, uh, there's just divorce in their family, so I guess we're just going to have to stay together for the kids. can never be that good, you know, like... What if we just begin to do the opposite? If we begin to declare what the future will be despite what the, the present is? We can do it. We can change things. Let me show you in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Another translation says the universe was framed by God's word. By God's word. He framed the world not by anything that we could see. Genesis 1 tells us the story. The earth was void. It was formless. Darkness was covering the face of the earth. And some of us, if we're honest, that's our life right now. That's our marriage right now, our finances or whatever, our job. Like things, maybe it's our, maybe it's our mental state right now. Our mental health feels dark and, and darkness is covering us. But God, when he saw that condition, he didn't get upset. He wasn't like, oh man, I guess I missed out. How could anything ever get better? No, he didn't consider any of that he just spoke and said let there be light and what happened there was light God in his sovereignty could have put this authority this power in anything that he wanted but he chose to put it in language so language is not merely for communication language is about creation well, I got to say that one more time because I don't think y'all heard what I said. Language is not about conveying information. Language is about creation. So what are we creating with our language? Are you creating faith in your kids? Are you creating faith in your marriage? Or are you creating destruction? Are you creating life? Or are we creating death, right? Here and here, just to, just to show you that this spirit of faith is in you. 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, it is written, I believed therefore I have spoken. <laughs> you got to underline this next part. Since we have the same spirit of faith, it's in you. You have the spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. So the spirit of faith is I believed, then I speak. So I believe God's word. I believe God's word is for me to have health. I believe God's word is for my family and for my children. I believe it. And so what do I do? I begin to read it and I begin to believe it. And then once I believe it, I begin to speak it. See, faith is released through our words. That's the spirit of faith is I believe something and then I speak it out. 
Faith isn't I see something and I speak it out. Faith is I believe and therefore I speak. So you are releasing your faith in whatever you are speaking and that shows what you believe in. So we can sing, I believe in God as my supplier. I believe that God is my source, that God is going to provide for me. And then we release our faith through what we speak. Faith with corresponding actions. And then we speak things like, well, I just don't have enough to make it. I can't give because then I won't have enough. And we've shown what we really believe by what we speak. Faith is I believe and therefore I speak. And so I just believe God is wanting to stir us up, to wake us up. Like so long we've tolerated things in our lives. So long we've tolerated. Like last time I checked, when you put your faith in Christ, what happened? You were made brand new. The old is gone. Jesus said, sin has no reign over you. Death has no reign over you. And yet we tolerate things like depression and fear. We invite it in. We pay for it in the name of entertainment and all these things. And God is saying, hey, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Let the spirit of faith be released in your life. Let the spirit of faith be activated in your life. It's released by the words that we say. Jump to your feet all over the room today. I don't know what it is that you're facing. Come on, let's get to our feet. I don't know what the dark situation is that you're facing. The obstacle is the thing that seems so impossible. But let's just begin all over this room. Get it into practice right now. Begin to declare what the Word of God says. It says that by His stripes that you are healed. It says that you have the mind of Christ. You're not stupid. You're smart. You have what it takes. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can make it through. Nothing is impossible with God. God is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's called you. He's made you his own. You are chosen. You were created on purpose. You have an assignment. You are valuable. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God, that your word is working. Your word is working. So, God, I just pray that faith rises up. Faith rising up. Maybe you're here today and, and this is stirring you up. Today's your breakout day. It's a breakout day. It's your day to break out of the doldrums of just getting by, hoping things work out. No, today is a breakout day to let faith break out in the inside of you. And maybe you, you, you realize, like, man, I've, I've been using my words my own way. Maybe you're the one, like, you've been building a framework, but it's not the framework that you want. It's, it's been going in the opposite way, and you're just frustrated at home. You're frustrated with the kids. And today God is awakening you to get back to the releasing things through your word. You're saying, Pastor, will you pray for me today? I'm making a decision. Decision. I'm making some changes in my home and my family. Will you pray for me? I gotta, I gotta begin to declare life. If that's you, just all over this room, just lift your hands. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in this place, that you're changing things today. Lord God, today we decide, we are awakening our faith to release life through our words. So Lord, I thank you that boldness would come inside of each and every believer that's here. Thank you, Lord. If you're standing next to somebody with their hands raised, just lay hands on them right now. Just agree with them in faith. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place right now that the past is the past. But from this day forward, we are speaking life. Let our words be those that build each other up, that bring life, that bring solution, that bring promise. Lord God, I thank you for it. Well, thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you for speaking to your people that in moments of pressure, in moments of upset, yeah, when storms are raging, 
Holy Spirit, speak to us. Bring back to our minds the word. Bring back to our mind the word that we could declare it and speak it out. So, Lord, I just declare peace over situations where there's been chaos, where there's been swirling, where there's been uncertainty. I speak peace. Where there's been a battle with depression, a fear, anxiety, worry, doubt. I just rebuke those spirits right now in the name of Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You have a sound mind. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. This is a new day. It's a new day of faith, a new day of boldly declaring your word, of holding the standard high. Lord God, I thank you that you are the redeemer, that you are the restorer, that the past is the past, but God, you make all things new. <laughs> That's so good. God, you make all things new. Come on, let's give him some praise if he's making things new in your life. God, we thank you. We give you praise.